I'm Jacqueline, and this is the economics of caring about poverty. The issue of poverty goes beyond a moral obligation to help. In 2010, 15.1% of Americans lived below the poverty line, and even during the boom years, around one-third of Americans were falling in and out of poverty. According to the Washington Post, safety net programs in the U.S. were instated to improve this problem and helped reduce the percent of Americans in poverty from 26% in 1967 to 16%. It also managed to keep the poverty stable during financial crises, including the Great Recession. Despite the acknowledgement that many people are affected greatly by poverty, it is a realistic possibility that a big fraction of the world doesn't feel that they have a moral obligation to help solve this issue. Helping others improve their lives is not the only benefit of calling attention to and trying to improve this issue. In the same year of 2010, 22% of children were below the poverty line, which according to the Center for American Progress Action Fund, put them at higher risk for lower cognitive development and therefore making the children more likely to earn lower incomes in their lifetime. The consequences of this affects others due to these children being less likely to be positive contributors to our economy and society. High poverty rates negatively affect everyone in the United States, according to the Center for American Progress Action Fund. Alone, child poverty is estimated to cost the U.S. economy more than $500 billion annually. This is due to loss in productivity, increased health care costs, and criminal justice funds increasing. The increased criminal justice funds are due to the positive correlation between poverty and crime. If there is more poverty, then there is increased crime as a result and increased monetary costs to victims and taxpayers to administer the criminal justice system. According to Rachel West on the Center of American Progress, child poverty costs the United States an estimated $672 billion every year, which is almost 4% of the U.S. gross domestic product. The middle class is what drives the U.S.'s economy, and poverty is putting a strain on that too. Increasing numbers of Americans are falling from middle class into poverty, resulting in a decrease of our nation's revenues. Middle class Americans now comprise less than half of the nation's population, being approximately 49.9% according to a Pew Research Center report. The upper class now controls 49% of the nation's total income, increasing from 29% in 1970, while the middle class has previously earned the largest amount of the nation's income, holding 62% in 1970, but now decreased to 43%. The lower class held 10% in 1970, decreasing to 9%. If the amount of poverty decreases, the percentage of the lower class income will increase, therefore decreasing the upper class percentage-wise. This will create less income inequality as the middle class begins to grow as a result of more people being able to rise out of poverty and contribute to the economy. This is demonstrated in a U.S. Census Bureau and Bureau of Labor Statistic, where it is apparent that unemployment and poverty have a direct relationship in which one increases or decreases, the other does the same. A 1% point increase in the unemployment rate is followed by a 0.2 percentage point increase in the poverty rate. A 1% increase in the median wages is shown to decrease the poverty rate, a 0.2 percentage point therefore demonstrating if poverty increases, then the median wage would decrease. This would be counterproductive in building the middle class. 
The trend between the report and the census leave us to believe that these two issues cannot be separated, for they are tightly wound to each other. If the lower class decreases, there will be a decrease in limited purchases, creating more demand and investments to grow the economy. According to the Center for American Progress, children that grow up in poverty are more likely to end up in the same position as their parents. This results in lower workforce productivity and, in addition, less goods and services being contributed to the economy from these people. The Center of American Progress estimates that poverty reduces productivity and economic output by about 1.3% of GDP, raises the cost of crime by 1.3% of GDP, and raises the health fund spending while reducing the value of health by 1.2% of GDP. Since long periods of poverty result in limited access to education, training, and proper health care, when those people enter the workforce, they will have little or possibly no contributions to the economy. It was very challenging trying to find sources that argued investing in or decreasing the amount of poverty is not worth the greatly improved outcomes. It is clear that decreasing the amount of poverty is beneficial on a humane standpoint and now also an economic one. What is debated is the way which money should be spent by the government to solve this problem and how much this issue is a priority over others. According to Keith Hall on usnews.com, in 2011, over 100 million people lived in houses receiving low-income government assistance and spending on these programs at the federal, state, and local level is now greater than $1 trillion annually combined. He also states that government assistance for low-income families is now equal to 10% of all household spending and argues that policymakers need to address the root of this cause and utilize policies that encourage job creation, not spending increased amounts of money. That strategy has not prevented poverty rates from increasing, and years of data show that the U.S. needs a stronger economic recovery to have more available jobs that pay decently. I agree that more money spent this way will not solve poverty and that it should be addressed using better strategies of going about the issue, which will later be elaborated on. Others argue that poverty in the U.S. is just not that big of a problem. Robert Rector, a senior research fellow, and Rachel Sheffield, a research associate at the Heritage Foundation, argues that although the word poverty suggests an inability to provide adequate food, clothing, and shelter for one's family, only a small number of the 46 million persons classified as poor by the Census Bureau fit those circumstances. He supports his argument with facts supporting that life in poverty in the U.S. is often exaggerated and the conditions are commonly better than imagined. For example, 80% of poor households have air conditioning. Although many studies also contradict this argument, it is apparent that there are still a prevalent amount of people living in poverty as it is stereotypically defined. Even if the extent is not as great as commonly predicted, the improvement in the economy and those projections remain the same. Many also believe that the goal of eradicating or decreasing poverty is not attainable, but I disagree. Rachel West, who was mentioned before, is the Director of Research for the Poverty to Prosperity Program at American Progress and a previous economic policy researcher at the Institute for Research on Labor and Employment at the University of California, Berkeley. She acknowledges that most good policies cost money, 
but that poverty-reducing programs cost little compared to billions of dollars the U.S. already spends on tax breaks that are mostly benefiting the wealthy and corporation. The money could be used to provide adequate nutrition or access to high-quality childcare, reduce homelessness, or invest in low-income children and workers. For example, the $49.7 billion that the nation spends shielding inheritances for the nation's wealthiest kids is compared to a $40 billion that it would cost to provide access to affordable, high-quality child care for all. The nation experiences substantial public savings from investments to improve health, increase education enhances, enhance workforce productivity, and in turn boost the economy. Every dollar spent on the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program is estimated to generate $1.70 in addition economic activity. Rachel West stated that there is strong evidence of the effectiveness of some pro programs, including high-quality pre-kindergarten, training poor adults for jobs, and the Earn Income Tax Credit. Programs like these have helped more than 6.2 million Americans avoid poverty in 2004. Investments through these mechanisms seem very effective, and they would be even more helpful to invest money in and expand. The cost of poverty can be mitigated by investing in these previously identified effective programs. Because I am a young adult that is growing up in a wealthier family and a nice town, I am more inclined to not want to increase the middle class by decreasing the wage gap, but the benefits for the economy are undeniable. The issue of poverty no longer solely rests in whether or not it is a moral obligation to help others in poverty. Justification to solve this problem lies also in economic benefits that will not only help those in poverty, but the country of the United States as a whole.